0: What is he doing in here?
1: Good afternoon you've got wcbn fm ann arbor i'm t hetzel and today on the program rian almakar scott is here rian welcome to living writers thank you for having me oh uh, it's well it's great to see you it's um to be here. Yeah. you're you're in town you're going to be doing a reading tomorrow for the Zell visiting writers series yep five o'clock at uma yep um reading stories from the world doesn't require you the book on the table with us Excellent. Um, before we go any further, I'll read your short bio. Okay. On the jacket cover, and we'll go from there. Rian Amilcar Scott's first book, Insurrections, won the Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize for debut fiction. His work has appeared in the Kenyon Review, Rumpus, Pank, and Confrontation, among other publications. So now we can add to that. Born in D.C., grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you've been basically touring since August uh, last year for your second book. The world right. doesn't require you.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been to Miami twice. I went went to to all kinds of all kinds of places. That I <laughs> went to Mississippi.
1: Just all like national tour, keeping you.
2: Oh, uh, East Coast somewhat mostly, but yeah, it's keeping me very busy.
1: Oh, well, I'm so I'm so glad to to get a chance to talk with you today. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about the world that you build for this book. The world doesn't require you a book of stories, mm-hmm. but they all take place within the world of Cross River, Cross River, Maryland. Yeah, K- yeah. I guess.
2: Yeah. So everything I, I, I write takes place in that in that fictional town, which was founded in 1807 after a successful slave revolt. So. In uh in in our world in in this country there were no successful slave revolts but in um in the world that that I've built there was uh there was one yes. <laughs> after 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 the Haitian Revolution they were I mean, you know they were inspired by the Haitian Revolution just as just I as a writer was inspired by the Haitian Revolution to to imagine that and uh, they founded this town in Maryland
1: this alternate reality this alternate
2: reality yes
1: yeah and what was um and so that was the um the world was part of uh was insurrections your first book yes this is when we like readers were introduced to cross river uh-huh um yeah. maybe not that not that i want i want to talk about the book we have on the table with us the world doesn't require you but when cross river first started coming to you was it a voice of one of the characters or how did how did it start for you the writer well,
2: it started as I, I was in graduate school in uh, in uh, in virginia fairfax virginia George uh, Mason and I uh I, I wanted to I, I wanted to have a, a central a central place or something that I was writing um toward and uh, why, I thought why I was
1: that important to you I, I just
2: I just like the idea of my characters coming in and out of of an area and I thought that I was going to write about the DC area uh then I read Edward P Jones and I and I saw that you know he had done it so masterfully <laughs> <laughs> that I was kind of like well I'll I'll leave DC to him and so I started thinking about what what I could do uh and it just it just it just sort of clicked after that I just figured that making up something is is how my mind works you know
1: and so what was it a character um that first drifted into your mind like your 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 the con- like or how or was it a voice or was it or is it actually the physical place well initially, like it sounds like when maybe. i was
2: in when i was in uh, when i was in undergraduate at howard university i wrote this story called uh the legend of old cigar and um it's not it wasn't a very good story <laughs> <laughs> at, at all but i was i was um I hadn't. I had a hard time finishing stories, and I knew that if I was ever going to be a writer, I had to finish stories. So I started writing the story, and halfway through, I said, "The story's terrible. It's never going anywhere." Um, but I had to finish it. I had to get to the end. And so um, it was about a slave revolt, and um, and it was uh, it was almost like a slasher story. Um, and uh, and and I finished that story, and I put it away, and I never looked at it again. So when I started thinking about Cross River, I thought back to that story.
1: So because, but why? Because it wasn't because you finished it right because you'd finished well, because other was... stories presumably since then right yeah, uh, uh, yeah although i did other to... stories since yeah. then but i think but what was it about cuz it was something that was the energy there or something
2: well it was i had to force myself to do it it wasn't it wasn't relying on inspiration or oh yeah this is going well i'm interested in this i'm interested in this story so i so I, so i'm so i have to so I'm, so that takes me to the end this time i wasn't interested in the story and it, it i had to force myself to the end and i think that, that's a lot of, of writing, especially if you're writing you know something very long you you're there there are points where you're not in love with what you're writing you have to, to force yourself you know as part of as part of being a writer
1: it's like it's kind of like writing as a force kind of like it's yeah. a force and of not knowing
2: mhm yeah, right? and yeah, not knowing whether this is going to turn into anything
1: so what um what is your <laughs> what's your process like because do you have to? build in to sort of the way you work this um like because if you're resisting or maybe you don't resist finishing anymore what's it no I don't really resist finishing
2: anymore I I don't think you know it's uh you know it's it's kind of like um you know I, I i I start in many different places I may start with a character I may start with an image um I may start with uh with a general vague idea then I still have to fill that in with concrete concrete details um objects and 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 images that that'll you know, that will coalesce you know that it can coalesce around uh so um so yeah, so it's not any one thing
1: for the world doesn't require you um I love how there's so much. Within the uh, the pages of the, this book, like how you're, you're playing with structure even, mm-hmm. uh, as well as narrative forms.
2: Mm-hmm. It's kind uh, of wild book. <laughs> yeah.
1: So how did you feel like that? How did you find the wildness? Because um, I, I, I'm sorry, I haven't read, had a chance to read Insurrections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is this part of something that's the way you work? Like, is this part of how you as a writer maker?
2: Well, insurrections is is uh, is a little different because I was um, a lot of the stories uh, in insurrections were stories that I I was te- teaching myself the the form uh, of, of the short story. So a lot of these, a lot of them are um, I, w- I would say apprentice stories, um, uh, and 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 so with with, uh, with insurrections, I felt a little bit freer to uh, to mess around with the to mess around with the structures
1: or 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 with. In with insurrections, or with the world doesn't require you to the, like start messing around oh, with, with the structure. The world doesn't with, require you. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: So with insurrections, you know, I, I followed a lot of guides, <clears throat> um, you know, and I would, you know, I would, I would take other writers like Edward P. Jones and uh, um, and and uh, maybe Juno Diaz, and I would, you know, I'd follow their follow their lead a little bit with um, with, with insurrections. With the world doesn't require you. Um, there was there was less of that yeah then there's more with messing messing around with the with, with the structures and playing around a lot
1: so and that seems um to me incredibly important to have that feeling and make it a reality for a second book mm-hmm. because sometimes once you've create like especially building a world like cross river and then having it be like having the, a great respo- response to it, it almost might feel like oh, do I do like I've I've figured out the shape of these stories, uh-huh. but yeah. instead you 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 didn't you you like um <laughs> we we still have Cross River, but we're coming at it in these new ways. Like, could you right. talk about some of the wild things that you did? Yeah, yeah. In I think that, the world that, doesn't require. There's a lot
2: that I that I had to um I, I wanted to mess with. Yeah, a lot of the stories that in in the world doesn't require you were written. In tandem or, or or even before the insurrections, but I just couldn't get them right like there's a story called Rolling in my Six foe that the second uh,
1: story right in no the it's, a, it's the it second it?
2: to last story actually second. oh okay, and it um i I wrote that a, a, alongside one of the mo- one of my more conventional stories and i just couldn't get it right it just took me so long to get it to, to get it right and you know it's it's a it's this satirical story which has a pretty pretty wild ending which is a very hallucinatory um ending and um and, and the ending it plays with a whole lot of it plays with a lot of a lot of racial stereotypes and um to me i'm i'm mocking those stereotypes and and uh but it it just took a long time to figure out how to how to use these 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 uh, these this imagery without um without sort of falling victim to the imagery?
1: Huh. So how can you can you talk through like is there an example that you could say like how you did figure out the imagery without well <laughs> just being I, controlled I there, by it?
2: I, I think you know when you, when you're writing satire, you, you sort of have to be at home with um. With being misunderstood <laughs> and um and so you know I was you know but i but even though you're you're at home with it you you sort of have to fight fight against that and and it's a, i was you know I had to work to make sure that my intentions were clear within that within that story um even you know even though it has you know all this all this uh this racial imagery and it's so its it was to me it was about questioning every image and questioning every sentence like does this have to be there is this saying what I needed to say?
1: And and over over time over you, time
2: yeah it took me about ten years to get that story straight. I mean it wasn't like I was writing it every day for ten years, but right,
1: <laughs> right.
2: But it was, uh, but it, but it took some time and it took some time of putting it to the side, saying this story doesn't work, and then coming back to it, saying, well, maybe it'll work if I do this or do that. And I think there there are a lot of stories like that where there there there, there are things in there that I have the that I I have to ask myself. Is it saying what I needed to say? Um, and, and am I am I reinforcing this horrible idea, or, or am I critiquing it? And uh, so, hopefully, I succeeded.
1: And you're, fi- yeah, and and you do, you do <laughs> succeed, and and so it sounds like you're, um, you're finding it within the revision too. And sometimes right. it takes the time to have some kind of distance from it
2: yeah and you have yeah you really do have to keep going back to the story and and letting it letting it sit and 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 really questioning every sentence every every image every phrase (laughs) sometimes
1: and and maybe also feeling with the with the success of insurrections also um being able to say yeah i can i i can do this because i can do i don't know like some um sort of uh I don't know if permission is the right word because it's like what you're giving to yourself as the maker or the writer.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh I think in between where the stories fail is is um where insurrections fail is 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 a lot of where the world doesn't require you fits in. And I think hopefully my next book is where where the world doesn't require you fails this the, the, that'll fit in.
1: I don't know about the word choice there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might take issue with this word fails because I
2: I mean there's I, a lot that I criticize myself about for 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 the for the book, but it, it but I think a lot of it says what I wanted to say. Yeah.
1: That's got to feel good too. Like at this created world that people now have um I don't know so for book 3, will you be working in Cross I'm always river. writing
2: I'm always writing cross river every everything i write comes back to that even um yeah it's it, it's 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 always going to be connected to cross river even even if it doesn't take place in cross river there's some connection there
1: why do you feel passionately about that like you're so sh- i can you, i can see you're so sure of that that's
2: yeah I, I how th- do you know i, I just think it's uh a, it's it's a, it's a story that i'm trying it, it's a large meta story that i'm trying to get to the end of you know, it's a, and, and I think, it, you know, I'm really inspired by by August Wilson, um, where he had his ten play cycle, and and that he was able to to complete that to complete that vision, and I want to be able to complete the the, the cross river vision, uh, in the same way.
1: And what what are some of what's part of the vision now? Like what what is it? Like what do you see? Like <laughs> I
2: mean, it's, it's it's hard for me to. I'm not sure how to answer that. What, what the well, what, what, what the vision is is in well, those two like, books so far? <laughs> well, like
1: August Wilson, like you were saying, this ten this ten cycle, pl- like this mm-hmm. sort of framework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten place ten place cycle. So, is there something that you already have? Like,
2: I mean, I don't. I, you uh, know, it, it's not something. It's not something that I've that I've gotten to the end of that I that I can't I I can't see the whole thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's like it's like I'm driving home um, with, with the headlights on. You know, I'm only seeing a little bit in front of me, um, yeah. and hopefully I'll get there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it, and it's having a sense of it too. Like when you were saying uh, the, the the story, um, rolling in my six foot like uh, uh, like it wasn't working, but then. It took time, and then it does mm-hmm. work. It's like it's probably that sense you have. Well, my feelings, with-
2: my thoughts, everything had to mature. You know, um, I had to, had to just grow as a, as a person. You now I, I started writing that when I was about twenty five, twenty six. You know, I'm, I'm forty now, so um, I, I, I guess I finished this when I was thirty, thirty, thirty eight. Or I, I guess it was. I guess the, the story was set when I was about thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight. So it just took a while to, to figure it out.
1: The writing life yeah <laughs> more with Rian amilcar scott today on living writers more writing life and more the world doesn't require you stories out with live live right norton uh i'm t hetzel you've got living writers we've got sam behind the glass we'll be back it's immensely
0: strong and immune to any weapon when it's properly used it's almost With no trivia, roll like Gallows straight from Bolivia. My hip hop will rock and shock the nation like
2: the Emancipation Proclamation. We MCs a post with slang this dead. Them eyes are well running to the wall and bang your head. I put a force, my force you're doubting. I'm making devils cower to the Caucus Mountain. When well, I'm the sire, I set the microphone on fire. Rap styles. And carry like
0: Mariah. I come from the Shaolin slump. And the Al I'm from is coming through with nothing. Enough, and if you want to come sweating, stressing, contesting, you got the start swords at the midsection. Don't talk the talk. If you can't walk the walk, Only the outline the talk. A Vex
2: is what the projects make me. Rebel to the grain, there's no way to barricade me. Steamroller is like an 18 wheeler What the drunk driver driving. There's no surviving. Rough like Timberland, where? Me and the clan and yo, the land cruisers out there Peace to all the crooks, all the n****s
0: with bad looks poor head braids, blows his hook We pack home and hit we play the match Black Drugs, jugs, mojo, fat stacks Only been a good thing for a minute though Cause I got to get my props and win it, yo I got beef with Kamama, the s***s with in a Lexus seat and beef Straight up and down, don't even bother I got 40 n****s up in here now who kill n-
1: Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, so glad you did. Today on the program, Rihanna Emelcar-Scott is here. The world doesn't require you stories. Out with Live Right Norton. I have to say, I love the like from the very beginning the beautiful uh it's actually like just the lines are beautiful.
2: That's <laughs> what I'm going for. Yeah.
1: <laughs> why why is that um why is that something that as a writer that's part of like what yeah. defines you as a writer, Rian?
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's it, 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 it's important that I'm playing with the that I'm playing with the language, that I'm expanding that I'm having this meta commentary about what language is um and what it does and um and and the that me as a writer and as the reader is taking some pleasure and joy in the words. Um, you know, I, I think of it like a you know <laughs> like right now I'm imagining a dog rolling around in snow, you know. <laughs> right. You know? It's it's it, it you know, it's, it's about it's it's about joy, you know, even if a lot of the stories are dark and, and you know, people say depressing, but there's uh there's that either that joy and that fun in the language.
1: The, and there's often also these moments where there's pain and humor Right in mm. the like next to each other as neighbors. Yeah, it's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. All right. Um, well, you know what? Let's. Do you mind reading? Sure. Okay.
2: I'm gonna read from the from the first story, David Sherman, the last son of God. <clears throat> and this is a uh, this is um, an epigraph from the the Lincoln Catechism. Thou shalt have no other God but the Negro. God is from Cross River. Everyone knows that. He was tall, lanky, wore dirty brown clothes, and walked with a limp he tried to disguise as a bop. His shin held a messy salt-and-pepper beard that extended to his Adam's apple, always clutching a mango in his hand. Used to live on the south side, down under the bridge, near the water. Now there's a nice little sidewalk and flowers and a bike trail that leads into Port Yuga. Back then there was just mud and weeds, and he'd sit there barefooted, softly preaching his word. At one time, he had 100, maybe 200, some say up to 500 or even 1,000 people listening. By By the time I'm talking about, he'd sit with only one or two folks, always with a mango, except during Easter time when he'd pass out jelly beans to get people to stop and listen. He lived on the banks of the Cross River until one day he filled his pockets with stones and walked into the water and sank like a crazy poet. He wasn't insane. It was all part of God's plan. Last time he was crucified, this time drowned. Anyway, God can't drown. He'll come back, perhaps to to oversee the writing of another testament or to judge the living and the dead, whatever he feels. This story, though, isn't about God. It's about one of his sons, not his son in the metaphorical sense. Well, he was, as we are all, the children of God, but more so he was his son in the physical sense. David Sherman was God's last son. The youngest of 13, five different women had lined up to sire the children of God. They were all boys except for the fifth, a disappointment, who at the age of 25 seduced her 15-year-old brother with her shapely behind and left Maryland to build a sinful life with him. God could have had more children, but he got a message from himself after David was born to stop spilling his seed into his servants. Who was he or anyone else to argue? David lived with his mother, Violet, in a one-bedroom apartment on Sally Street that teemed with water bugs and mice, but rarely any rats. God slept there sometimes, but not very often. He'd rise early, long before the sun, and he'd tell his boy, God morning to you, son. David would reply, and God morning to you, too. He stopped spending the night after David turned twelve. To David, God was a disappointment. God told his son things from time to time, things about virtue and the coming Holy Ghost Testament, but never anything David could understand. He wondered if one day he'd lose his mind and be out on the streets speaking an incomprehensible gospel like his old man. And when David was 16, God took his own life. Even before God's death, David earned money by turning old pots and plastic barrels into drums and banging out intricate rhythms by the side of the road. After his father died and he he inherited his harmonica, David stole a guitar from the neighborhood nerd. He taught himself how to play them in the privacy of his boxy apartment he shared with his mother, and eventually worked the instruments into the act. It never took David long to learn an instrument. He was always teaching himself a new one, but he was best at the guitar. Still, he loved the drums the most, even if he could only afford old buckets and tin pans. David thought himself a percussionist until one day, I'm sorry, until Randall, a slightly chubby kid from a few blocks away, challenged him to a battle. They sat before those plastic buckets going back and forth, drumsticks raised high above their heads, the great clopping of plastic trash can rhythms, sweat pooling at their armpits in the thick summer heat. Randall's precision, how he danced and rocked as he he drummed, was almost too much for David to take. He slowed to watch his friend, letting the drumstick slip from his slick hands. Soon he became just another spectator gazing. After his whipping, David mostly played the guitar to Randall's drumming, and sometimes he'd sing. People from the neighborhood often joined in the jam with dented and tarnished saxophones and trumpets. It was a good time.
1: Thanks, Rian. Thanks. So that's the first part from David Sherman, "The Last Son of God," Mm -hmm. um, which is the first story in the world. Doesn't require you. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Thanks for reading that. There's so many moments where it it is funny, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh And and then so much and sad too. You can't have. And I feel like I was disoriented for a moment because I wondered. At first I was like, well, is God, God, or is God like a figment of David's, but then God dies like, oh, he really does walk into the river with stones <laughs> in his pocket. Uh-huh. And, um, so wh- how did you, why, why the story first? Like, was this the way it was as you were, were building it or drafting these stories or, or how did uh, David Sherman, the lesson of God, bless you, become, become the, the first, the first story in in bless you in the world doesn't require you
2: i think it's first because the first sentence is god is from cross river everyone <laughs> knows that <laughs> and i love that sentence
1: it's a great first line
2: uh yeah you know i i wrote that it was the first story i wrote after i graduated from uh from grad school um and i went in a different direction i was trying to go in a different direction than a lot of stories that i wrote while i was in the in the grad program and um I just knew it was a first story, so I, I kind of held it back from the from the first book because uh, the first book already had a first story, and I thought this story would overwhelm the rest of the stories in the book. Um, so it, it took a lot of strength because I, I knew it was a really good story. Um, but I, I I decided to to hold it because I knew it would be the opening of of the second book.
1: So with insurrections, when, when was, were editors were they saying like, oh, do you have another story for this? <laughs> like were they talking like about stuff like that? And you were just you wouldn't say anything. Cause you were like, yes. David Sherman, the Last Son of yes. God, it's in my my yes. pocket, but I'm not telling you. Yes,
2: <laughs> that, that, that was funny that you asked that because that's exactly what happened. You know, the editor was, you know, do you have any other stories? And you know, and I was like. Uh, Well, I'm gonna, and I I actually took another story that I had planned for this, uh, for the first, for the, for this book and, and, and put it in the, um, and put it in the second one, um, which I, which I thought was good because, you know, this story, this collection I knew would be a little bit stranger, um, than Insurrections. And, um, and so taking that one story, um, it's called, um, um, uh, Clan, um, taking that story, Clan, and putting it in, in, to, in insurrections um you know sort of gave a hint of the wildness you know that, that was to come so so that worked out, but i I still held back david sherman
1: and so it's interesting to hear how like you have a sense like it's a first story, mm-hmm. so you're already it sounds like mapping out what the next part of this world is, so for the the next
2: yeah, I think I don't have a. You know, when when I know I have a short story collection set is when I know, when I know I have the first story and the last, in the last story.
1: So you okay? So in okay? So in the world doesn't require you. The last story though is is a humdinger because well, it's like a novella.
2: Well, that wasn't Length. that wasn't going to be the last story. Um, the okay. La- the last story was gonna be rolling in my sixth film, and I, and I knew that that that's that was the last story. But then I started writing the novella, and it was it, at first in it wasn't gonna be a novella; it was just gonna be a, a very long short story, um, and you know, not quite novella length. I mean, this is kind of crazy length—like 150 pages. Um, but it just kept it just kept blooming and blooming and blooming, and it didn't make any sense to put it anywhere else but the end of the book. And I actually have to cut some stories to to make it fit. <laughs> yeah.
1: So okay, so when you say it doesn't make any sense to put it anywhere else, I, I mean that you as the creator, like you know that you're so you're so certain. Like there's a way where I could like make an argument. Well, special topics in loneliness studies could be its own separate book. It even. could, yeah, it could. Um, but you did, but but no but you are like no it's part of this like how the arc is working in this. Yeah, Can I, you talk about that a little well, bit? I, like
2: I definitely thought about, you know, um, you know, having it as its own book, but I thought but it, it it's so intricately tied to a lot of the other stories in the book. Um it's uh, you know, it's arguing with a lot of the stories. Um I think you know uh, there's a story called numbers um which has these sirens in it um that that, that sort of draw men to their death and um you know uh, and that story to me is a lot about um toxic masculinity um but then on the other hand the, the sirens idea it can be easily misconstrued as as a very sexist idea um it is a very sexist idea i think that you know and that goes back Cause to cuz women are to blame Greek myths, right <laughs> um and so um i didn't want to change numbers um, because I, a number said what I, what I wanted to say, but I wanted to, to argue with it a little bit, you know? So, so that's, uh, so that happened in, in, uh, in special topics.
1: And so how, and how does it, um, surface like the arguing, because you give that, um, it's not like there's an omniscient, uh, voice of, the writer coming in, how how do you do that?
2: Well, I, I think their are characters and their and their situations and that that um that speak to you know the the idea that you know in, in Cross River this is a uh, an idea that that people believe is that, that that there are that there are women hiding in the river waiting to draw men to their death, um and 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 that sort of says something about the 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 men who believe this idea. So um so I, I wanted to have um uh someone someone sort of you know who believes that they are so um believes that they're so progressive and believes that they're 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 so you know so so woke but but still harboring these ideas internally and how to, and how that um how that affects his life
1: which is which is often the human condition mm-hmm. isn't it like things that like we examine about ourselves like you don't always see everything.
2: Right. And we, and we live and by ideas. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our culture is, is toxic, and we live by ideas that, that we would be horrified that we live by if we if we think about it.
1: Just take a different <laughs> angle into yeah. it. Uh-huh. Okay, let's take a short break, and we'll be back. Soon we'll be back with more from Rian Amilcar Scott. The World Doesn't Require You Stories. Out with Live Right Norton. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers. We'll be back.
0: E. What Wap no baby, you look good now, you carry. Long time I watch, you, I'm a one chat to you, I go on like you no know, one chat to me. So, what Wapn Tria, tell him what the a f f f I go on now. Creeping, down the back street on D's. I got my glock cocked to fill in the breeze, but no I said it. Seems I got sweated by somebody with a tech nine trying to take
2: mine. You wanna make noise, make noise. I make a phone call, my homies coming like the Gotti boys. Bodies being found
1: Welcome back. You've got living writers. I'm T Hetzel. Um, Rian Amilcar Scott is here in the studio. The world doesn't require you. The second book of stories by Rian Amilcar Scott, um, who is in town tomorrow. Zell visiting writers series. You can go and see and hear Rion in person five o'clock at Uma. Um, Rianne, thanks for picking the songs for today's show, um, and and thanks for talking Thank today. You. Thank you. For having, I'm glad to be here. Yes. So how did you how did you choose some of the songs for well, today?
2: These are all, for the most part, songs that influenced the influenced the book. Uh, uh, the first story is about the the birth of cross rivers music, river beat, um, which is heavily influenced by um, go go, which is uh, D C's indigenous music. Um, and so I, you know, I included Run Joe uh, by Chuck Brown, who who is the Godfather of Go Go. Um, Mystery of Chessboxing by Wu Tang Clan. Um, there's, <laughs> there's always a reference to Wu Tang Clan in my in my stories. But there's one, there's one story, um, the Temple of Practical Arts, um, where there, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of Wu Tang references in that, in that story. And what
1: a beautiful title!
2: <laughs> yeah, um, and you know th- th- that story, that story is a lot of. You know, it's had a lot of layers, um, and I think, uh, I was with some of my friends in grad school, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things it's, it's about is, is, you know, a guy goes to this, um, goes to this artistic commune to learn, and, um, and then everything turns bad, um, and so that was, uh, you know, sort of metaphorically, uh, you know, about how, how we artists kind of learn, learn the art nowadays, mm. um, let Me Ride or Mothership Connection, uh, by Parliament and uh by Dr. Dre, Let Me Ride by Doctor Dre in Parliament, uh where Dr. Dr. Dre actually samples Parliament. Um you know, the story rolling in my six foe, you know, that title is the, the hook of the Doctor Dre song. And the thing I love about that Dr. Dre song is that it um it takes you through the it, it takes you through the entire history of black music. You know, it samples that, that Parliament song which actually um interpolates a old Negro spiritual. Um, so, so, so that, you know, At. at for, to that point, that's, that's the entire history of, of, of black American music. Yeah. Um, and the Harlem blues, um, it's just a beautiful song. I love it. And it, it's just, re- it sort of reminds me of the, the character's wife in the novella, um, how, um, you know, she's, uh, Christine, Christine, how she, she sort of, uh, you know, is, uh, deals with the, the, the loneliness of, of her, of her husband and the, the, the the, the sort of craziness that that sort of you know rots you know sort of you know it unleashes on their life.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the novella, um, the sp- special topics in loneliness studies. What a great title! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. I, I mean, Thank you. I,
1: I read that, and I'm like, yes. Um, and this is one of the the like the the places visually where you can tell it. There's there is some there's wildness being unleashed on the page, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, Rian, tell us about some of the if you don't mind some of the choices you made, like to include, um, well, for example, like not just a letter form, but like a syllabus, um, uh, someone's presentation slides for a class Uh, and this seems like kind of a satire of academia it is it is you know i
2: spent i spent uh at the time i was writing i spent 10 years uh teaching teaching at uh you know uh at the higher ed level and uh you know there were a lot of contradictions that i thought would make for good satire um and uh maybe i'm I'm unimaginative but i can't imagine writing about higher ed without (laughs) without without it being satirical because it, it, there's just a lot of absurdities i feel like it's just yes. you know this this uh <laughs> you know this environment that claims to be so um so enlightened you know literally you know pays their uh pays some of their professors a subset of their professors you know below below living wages um and uh you know that's one contradiction that that i thought um you know it's 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 unfortunate um and 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 it's disturbing if you if you really get d- down to it but somewhere that that you know uh, a satirist like me could slide in uh you know you talk about the forms yeah it plays you know it plays with more with forms more than any other s- uh, story in the book and it's it's sort of started with the syllabus um uh, <clears throat> actually it didn't start with the syllabus it started with the with the essay um i um it was initially just gonna be. Uh, f- uh, three or four or five essays, um, that a student was writing, um, and would uh, that
1: be Re- Rebecca Montana? Rebecca
2: Montana, and so I started with that, but um, you know, I I needed to figure out. Uh, what she was actually writing, <laughs> so I so I had to create the syllabus. So I started creating the syllabus, and in the process of creating the syllabus, I started becoming more interested in the, in the professor. Uh, so Rebecca Montana you know, stopped being the the, the main character, um, and I, I it was just you know the syllabus was it was just this ridiculous document that I was creating. And so so then I had to figure out who was this character that was creating this ridiculous document? Why was he creating this? Um, and so I so, so then I you know I, I had to create you know a context for him, and so that's how it sort of balloon
1: and let's see so and the, the the this professor also is sort of a um he uh he he isn't even uh, employed anymore there um
2: well not the one who created the syllabus the, the one who created the syllabus um is is the, is the professor who's employed there, there. The, um
1: re, okay right like Reg, reginald, chambers. reginald chambers but uh-huh. but the like the catalyst or so or like catalyst yeah that's what was, he calls himself simeon reese
2: simeon reese uh-huh.
1: and, and just like just teaches class like shows up finds an empty lecture hall he finds an empty
2: class and then and the students start, find him and he starts lecturing and, and uh, for some reason students show up and he always has full classes um and then he complains about his his his, his, his grading load
1: <laughs> and so so this So this is like, it seems like it was like, it's fun to even talk about like you, like finding joy in this, but there's also like a lot of like, uh, dark things that, that happen in this and, and that you're, um, so how, like having that sense of play, how is that also, I don't know, helping, helping you be the satirist that you want to be? Yeah, and having mean, that edge and that wit. And- you're right.
2: I mean, I think it's a, it's it's very it it is can be very dark. I mean, I think you know the idea of, of loneliness is something that we're always pushing against, and we we, we 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 go to ridiculous lengths as human beings to 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 fight against it and to to escape it, and um, you know, and I feel like there's a you know, it, it's often it can be as academics, it's it's often weaponized against us that that that, that loneliness, um, and so. Um, yeah. What
1: do you, What do you mean? What do you mean, Ria?
2: I I feel uh, you know it's um, it's um. You know, there's a there's a sort of in a lot of in a lot of academic situations there's sort of power, powerlessness imposed upon uh, upon professors and um, uh, particularly professors who who have who who are not um who are not tenured or tenure track, um and it, yes. and it's um you know it you know it's uh, in, in many academic environments it, it, it's there's a sense of overwhelm um that it, that it seems um it seems like it's uh, it's, it's purposeful um you know there's a sense of overwhelm that that is uh that is put upon them um you know a lot, a lot of a lot of classes a lot of classes being taught a lot of a lot of students being thrown thrown their way um and there's there's very little um there's very little time to really do anything o- o- about that Um, and, um, and so, so, you know, that's, that's a a that's an area where I felt like I could, I could write fiction and and dramatize that.
1: And so the syllabus kind of just rolled out. Yeah. The
2: syllabus (laughs) kind of rolled out. Yeah.
1: And how did you know, like, to keep pushing, like, did, um, like, was it like having a sense of play with the work so that you decided, oh, I'm going to put the presentation and like a like yeah. a series of slides as a as a section,
2: yeah, you know i think it, when i was when I was teaching uh composition there was uh, there was i I spent a lot of time standing in front of PowerPoint slides um and looking out at at students um and uh, and students wouldn't be taking you notes know, students don't take notes anymore they they snap pictures like like you're the pop like they're paparazzi <clears throat> and um and so um I, I thought it would be really funny that the, for this guy to to create this ridiculous ridiculous PowerPoint, <laughs> and uh, and you know he takes this stuff very very seriously. It's not ridiculous to him.
1: Can you talk about some of the images that, cause since we're, we could describe them. We're not a, we're not, you know, we're, we're a visual medium through the like, ears, yeah. but like you've got scenes set up with stuffed animals for this presentation. You
2: talk about sense of play. Those uh, two of those stuffed animals are, are were, were my, were my best friends as, as kids, <laughs> stubby, stubby and Jojo Hill, um. <laughs> They're brothers, so uh,
1: not unfamiliar characters not, to you.
2: I'm not unfamiliar characters. They, you know, they they've been with me longer than longer than anything else. And
1: but they get lonely too.
2: They get lonely too. Yeah, my, my son doesn't love them as as uh, as I did. I don't even know where Stubby and Julia Hill are now. <laughs>
1: Oh no! Uh, that's you're laughing, but that sounds almost tragic.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I, one of my favorite stories is the kid was the velveteen rabbit, and you know, and I was uh, I vowed never to let that happen to <laughs> to stubby hill. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I gotta go find him and force him on my youngest son so that he's loved. You know,
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like I don't know. It sounds like still loved by you. So he is, but
2: uh, he, he is, but I, my oldest son, I was, uh, I was, you know, I tried to make sure that he was. Um, um, that he was in in rotation with my oldest son, and then uh, and uh, and uh, at the same time, on the same topic of play, you know, at the same time we were watching the Muppets a lot, and uh, he starts calling him Ralph, and he says, uh, he's he's Ralph doesn't know it's not Ralph, it's Stubby, and, <laughs> 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 and 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 JoJo is baby Ralph, um, so.
1: <laughs> oh, that's I love that. So so. Let's talk about your origin story as a writer. Like, when you were growing up, were you always writing? Did you—
2: I wasn't, but I was always creating something. I was always telling stories with my with toys. Toys was, were, were incredibly important to me. And I would, um, you know, with my stuffed animals— they were um, they were the M team. They had this whole story of how they were running from authorities and for they were framed for a crime they didn't commit, which I I think I stole. Like the A team, I think I stole it from the A team. Yeah, dun, dun,
1: dun. yeah. yeah. So they, they had their own theme, <laughs> they song. Have a theme song. They team. had their own. My bed
2: was a boat. Um, so nice. a sense of play, you know, and you know, to me, it was very it was very serious to me, and I, I it was so serious. I, I had to me, I had my own, I had my own television station. That's what I imagined, and then you know, and you know, I couldn't. When I when I played, I had to either begin on the hour or the half hour. You know, if it was five minutes, if it was past five minutes, you know, I would just wait for the, <laughs> for the next half hour to
1: start creating to start the storyline. Cr- to start
2: creating the storyline. Um, so sometimes, you know, my mother would call me and talk to me, and I'd be so annoyed, like I'm, you know, I'd be right. looking at the clock. And wait
1: like, for the commercial break. <laughs>
2: uh, well, it's four oh six. Well, I you know I have to wait till four thirty to, to start the show. <laughs> so
1: it sounds like you have like this love, like this deeply ingrained love of story. Yeah, I
2: think so. Um, and, uh, and even when I stopped playing with toys I started um I started drawing like album covers. Um and I had a I had a whole stable of rappers. They didn't have lyrics or anything, they just had album covers and titles and I had notebooks full of full of that. And so it you know, it just evolved and at a certain point, um <laughs> At every point my oldest brother was like this is you're too old to be doing this <laughs> and I would move on to something new. Um and and then you know poetry came into my life and my and my mother um who passed away uh in March um you know she she was the first person that I was that I told about about my writing.
1: I'm sorry, Rihanna.
2: And um I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So um till so she she was she was the person that was the first person to to encourage me. Um in in writing poetry and I and I had you know reams and reams and reams of poetry. Uh, and
1: how old were you then? Like what? Wh- I was what about, about twelve or thirteen. I was
2: driving to soccer practice, and she uh, and and she uh, and I told. Her, I said, "Hey, Mom, I got this idea for a poem." And she was like, "Well, you should go type it up."
1: And when you were like, were the poems starting to come? Like, can you remember that? Like, like I know you remember the moment clearly. I remember like, the poem. What was the poem? Yeah, what?
2: Well, yeah, oh, I'm not going to share. It was terrible. No? no. Well, come on. No, <laughs> like, no. No, I'm not sharing it. It was terrible. But you
1: actually can. You could say it if you I could. It was to. three
2: lines. Um, and I thought it was such Rian, an original on, idea. It's not. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. An, I thought it was such an original idea. But it, you know, and, and I, I, no one told me that it wasn't an original idea. And I, and I you know, I, I, I think. You know, every day, I, you know, I think that you know, my mother and my father and everybody around me, um, were were very encouraging. You know, friends, you know, um. even people i didn't like people that didn't like me um they they liked the idea that i was writing poetry and they were they encouraged it It, you know it's when i think back to it it's you know it's 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 remarkable you know you think that's a you know stereotypically that's the thing that that kids get bullied and and, and for and you know people make jokes but they weren't they weren't mean they weren't mean-spirited they actually wanted to read these poems you know
1: and what was your subject matter
2: um I, like used to re- your- I used to read a lot of black arts po- uh, black, ar- black arts movement poetry so it was um it was it was a lot about um what I <laughs> what I took to understand is as as a, as a political the uh, situation uh for for black people um the word oppression came up a lot uh, in, in the poetry but what, you know what I really realized when I you know I was writing about that and you know I was sort of figuring out you know you know the, the political world or whatever, but I was really writing about my sense of powerlessness as a as a as, as a child. You know, as, you know, as, as the youngest person in my family, the you know, you know, very you know, very small. Um, and so this became this it became this place, this area that, that no one could tell me what to do you know no one could push me around no one could you know and even even my mother and father who encouraged me they couldn't tell me you can't write about this or you could write about that and if they did you know I could just shrug and say no this is this is this is my world um and so that that was that was a subtext that I didn't realize I was actually actually writing about yeah and and you know and, and I was reading a lot and I started reading you know a lot of, you know I had this anthology the black black poets um which uh goes from the negro spirituals to the 60s and and the the 60s the black arts movement poetry was was my favorite you know um uh, Mary Baraka and Sonia Sanchez Nikki Giovanni um and friend prior
1: yeah I'm sorry Nikki Giovanni friend of the show oh yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so prior and prior to that when I was in elementary school I was reading a lot of Langston Hughes um so so yeah
1: we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, more with Rian Amilcar Scott. Um, the World Doesn't Require You, Stories, out with Liv Wright Norton. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back.
0: Well, all right. Darcher. Citizens of the universe. Recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Partying on the mothership. I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3 d Light year groove. All right.
1: Back, you've got living writers. I'm T Hetzel today on the program. Rian Almacore Scott is here. The world doesn't require you stories. Um, thanks at Live right Publishing Corporation. Thanks to Peter Miller, Haley Bracken, and Brittany Anderlein um, for getting copies of the book in my hands here. And thanks so much for talking today, Rian. Yes, yeah, great. I, yeah. Um, and so. Young poet reading pretty seriously, it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. at 12, 13 years of age. Yeah. Like how, so how did you become like, like, a, like a reader of poems? Because sometimes um, it feels like many young people when they're, um, uh, uh, you know, introduced to poems, they don't, they kind of fight them. Like they don't, like maybe it's at school or something. Like, so how did you find it and make it your own?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's kind of remarkable thinking back. The now I remember. I mean, I used to read a lot. Um, I read a lot, and you know, m- my parents had this set of encyclopedias. I remember. Um, I used to read the encyclopedia a lot, and I, I remember when I got into poetry, I, 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 <laughs> I looked at I looked up poetry. It's a long, you know, a long section. I don't know who gave me the black poets, um, but I, you know, I. I was really fascinated by it. Um you know, I think there was a certain point when I was writing I thought, you know, my writing was so was was great and then I started reading more. I was like, well, this is not great, you know. And and um and you know, in between that gap is where I uh, is where I started, you know, figuring out, you know, how can I how can I get to 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 that level? And you know, I didn't know that it was, uh, you know, like a <laughs> like it was, you know, it's like a like a life tw- thing. A lifelong yeah, it's a lifelong you know, it's, it's a lifelong process. You know. It, Oh, go ahead. You know, you know, at some point, you know, I, I, you know, I thought I would be a, I thought I'd be a poet for life, and you know, I, at some point, I, I, I realized that it was, you know, that I was the prose was 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 uh, was better for me.
1: Well, it makes sense that or earlier when we were talking, I was like, the lines are beautiful, like this attempt, like, um, so it makes sense that I don't know, it's like kind of a, a sp- from the failed,
2: po- failed poet yeah
1: <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> okay but when i won't accept that actually well but i think shall- there's a line
2: in here um where, where uh it's a poet is a line from a poem a, a fake poem a uh, better a failed poet than a poet
1: <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um so how did it happen for you like when you decided like prose was the thing for you
2: yeah i think um when I was, I mean, even when I was applying to grad school, I think every program that I applied to, if I could apply to both, I would I applied to both, um, and um, and uh, so I, I I didn't get into I I got rejected from nine of the schools that I applied to. I'm sorry, I applied to nine schools. I got rejected from eight, from eight of them, um, and even the one I got into, I applied for fiction and poetry, and they never responded to the poetry. So I, so in essence, I got rejected from
1: all <laughs> from all nine. So. <laughs> sure. So you could, so you had two different. <laughs> so
0: so, so schools didn't it's like, allow. It.
1: But that's like this this twist of fate then that yeah. then had you sort of focus your vision in a different way. I,
2: I yeah, I don't know. Maybe, and yes. see, that
1: just proves also like ha, all these rejections. Like you have to be able to take it because uh, it's not right. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, twist of fate, maybe, but I but I had started writing more. Um, more fiction, and and if the schools didn't allow both, I would I would I applied in in fiction. So you know that was sort of my I was heading in that in that direction, and just as, at a certain point in, when I was in the first semester of grad school, I was still writing poetry, um, and, and I, I read a Paris Review interview of um, Allen Ginsberg, who I love, but I didn't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> he had all these terms, and I understood how how um, I started realizing how. um how technical poetry was and 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 I just wasn't um just wasn't the direction that I was I was going in and so I you know so I really stopped I mean I still write poetry a little bit um but nothing serious uh more for myself than anything else the the poems that that appear in this book I, I I tried to take seriously for the most part um I tried to take them seriously and, and write them as if as if I was writing poetry um but, um, but yeah, so I, 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 yeah, you know, just at a certain point I realized that, you know, that I, I wasn't going to be, um, I, I wasn't going to be, you know, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't be a great poet. That, that's just not who I, I couldn't, I couldn't be great in this, um, within fiction maybe I could if I worked hard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You are great.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> These are great stories. Um. So are you, so for the, the third book, mm-hmm. because it sounds like some stories also, we, we heard earlier, some stories were pulled from the world doesn't mm-hmm. require you. Sadly, yeah. Are, are those stories that still have legs? Like, are they going to, are they coming back? Are they going to be part, in part three of the world of Cross River or? They'll be back. Yeah, what's the, happening? The, the
2: next book is, I'm working on is a novel, so the, so those, um, those stories will have to wait. Um, but, so
1: why the novel?
2: <laughs> um I you know it's it's just a form that I would that I would you know that I, that I would like to to play with it. It's a really hard form for me, you know, especially since I've been writing in this uh in this uh in this form for for a long time. So, um it it's it's sort of it's a, it's a much different way of thinking. And you know, novels are just so all-encompassing, you know. Uh well, you know, when you, when you're writing they they just sort of take over everything. Um so yeah, so that's what I'm wrestling with now. Um but I'm also I'm also I also in, in intruding in that is uh you know I have you know a short story collection you know bothering me and tapping on the shoulder and saying, you know, <laughs> you write me. <laughs> so
1: how do you do that cuz if the novel is like all encompassing for your your headspace and then you've got the tapping of the short stories, are you able to like, no. Do you re- no.
2: Okay. <laughs> I don't know it it's it, yeah, it's uh I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured out a balance. Um yeah, it's yeah, it's uh it's like figuring out work life balance. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Then, so that's it's
1: a never ending question.
2: Yeah, so you know, it's a uh, you know, right right now it's 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 all unbalanced and it's all I don't know. The, the, the I w- I wouldn't say that everything is is uh, is uh, is going well with the novel. It's sort of like a wrestling um wrestling with it, but it's uh you know, it's a good challenge. It's fun.
1: Yeah. It's like earlier at the beginning we were talking about you know, this idea of finishing too. Mm-hmm. It's like to 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 do it. Right. To uh-huh. make it meaningful. Yeah. And and you've got the already the novella, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think I think one of the reasons why I wrote that was to get was to get um you know, to to get to get accustomed to long th- that, the th- that long form, yeah.
1: What do you, what <coughs> do you, uh, Rian? What do you love about this short story form? Because yeah, we've got like about a minute or so left, so <laughs> I like that you, can, you you can get in and out,
2: and you know, and and you can you can build a you you can build a whole world, um, you know, and, and there's a there's there can be a whole other story there based on what you've left out. Um, and, and I, and I really, I really like that. Really admire that you can, you can make a story that way, that you can, you can create a whole world that way, um, within, you know, 15 pages or even, or even one page. <laughs> Cause these
1: stories can stand alone, even though they're linked stories mm-hmm. connected by cross river.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: But they're standalone.
2: Yeah. None of them. I don't think any of them depend on, 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 on the story that came before it. Yeah.
1: Although for you, um, the, the writer, there's a first story. And there's an arc.
2: Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, there's always an arc with the with the book. Yeah, there's always a, a thematic story that's being told um, alongside the the actual story,
1: like life. <laughs> <laughs> Rian, thanks so much for talking today. Thank
2: you for having me. It's a great conversation.
1: Come back anytime. <laughs> um, today on Living Writers, um, the world doesn't require you stories by Rian Amilcar Scott. Um, Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks to Sam for engineering today. Whoop, whoop, Sam, thanks to Frank Uli for post-production. Um, I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
0: You can never tell what's in a man's mind. And if he's from Harlem, there's no use of even trying. Just like the tide, his mind comes and goes Like much weather when he'll change Nobody knows, nobody knows The man I love, well, he just turned me down He's a Harlem Brown times I wish that I'm in this ground Six feet underground He idolized me As no other cool No, no Then he surprised me Leaving me a note saying yeah.
2: And here we go on a Wednesday. This is the Daily Sports Report. We're live as always on 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm Jake Alexis, your host. We have on the panel today, Nick Hornberg, Andrew Miller, and a first-timer, Max Bernstein on with us. How's everybody doing?
0: Doing good. How you doing? Doing all right. Happy Hump Day.
2: Big, uh, big Michigan basketball game tonight, which we'll get into shortly. Nick, you've been quiet. Forty-five seconds in. <laughs> Still quiet. All right. Let's <laughs> let's let's get into it. So,
0: big week this week. We have the week two weeks before the Super Bowl, coming off of conference.